Hello and welcome back to episode three of TikToks. We are just firing them out here for you guys. Um, today's topic is going to be on training and T actually had a fun little title. So what do we call this episode, T? So I think this one should be called Good Leader, Bad Bosses, which is something all of us, if not many of us, or maybe many of us, if not all of us, have had to deal with in the past. So in order to discuss it the best way we can, we'll just kind of talk about our experiences and maybe we'll get into some new segments that you guys might like. Yeah, so we're gonna, um, we're gonna talk about our personal training experiences coming up through school. Um, and we trained at the same place for a while, so that'll be kind of interesting um, <laughs> to talk about. So I don't know, do you, we should just go ahead? Uh, I'll, so, I'll start to like alternate. Uh, so where it really begins is, I want to start with like the practicum. So for those of you that don't have or will never have a practicum, it's basically what most of the world considers to be an internship. It's an unpaid position. You get a lot of training experience, hopefully, and you kind of just move up the ranks that way. So you get basic, then intermediate, then advanced, then an actual internship, which Luckily for us, it's paid. Not always well, but <laughs> it's paid. And then you get postdocs, which is after your doctorate and you're working for that. So I guess I'll start with basic. So my basic practicum was at a fantastic site where I had two supervisors who were amazing. Uh, they are good leaders and they're good leaders in different ways. So I won't say their names. I won't say the name of the site. <laughs> I'll keep all of that under wraps, you know, just in case, even though it's not even open anymore. Um, <laughs> And you're speaking good things, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it gets bad. So oh. <laughs> this, this is where it starts and it's, it starts on a good note. So I had two supervisors who were both amazing. One of them was the head of many programs. The other one is the, the testing guru for the gods. It was fantastic. So I learned a lot of skills when it comes to doing diagnostic testing. I learned a lot of ways to interpret data that I never knew what to interpret before. I learned how to do the Rorschach in a way that I never thought I'd learn to do it. It was a fantastic experience. He, he is very like, we did a Rorschach ep, like exercise and he was like pulling stuff out of his ass. And I was like, where <laughs> are you getting this? Cause that is not my forte, but um, anyway, continue. Yeah, it, it's, it's all in there. It's all stuck in there at this point, but um, yeah, and the other supervisor was great with having emotional support and making sure you were reading your own body language and all the things that were happening to you while you're working with the client. So it became this amazing experience. And it was myself and two other co-practicum interns. And we, we just got so much knowledge and so much experience. And I learned more about myself and more about testing than I ever thought I would. Mm -hmm. So for me, it started with good leaders. and the story changes from there, but what's your basic <laughs> experience? Um, my, yeah, my diagnostic was kind of strange in that um, it was just me and my supervisor and he didn't typically take students, but I, it was in Indiana and it was someone that I knew who had had him before, who basically sent him a message. I was like, hey, there's an Indiana girl needs a job uh, or needs a practicum placement. So, um, I worked with him and it was very strange because um, he did mostly testing for like um, disability and things like that. And 
but he had like a system and he had someone else that wrote his reports and he would just like talk into a tape recorder. So there was not a whole lot for me to do. I was just literally administering, like giving tests and that's about it. Like giving, scoring, which as many of, I don't know if any of you know, but before I even worked as a therapist or, um, you know, a tester, I, I used to do neuropsychological testing when I was an undergrad. So when I <laughs> came time to do like my internship applications and they asked how many WACEs that I've done in my, it was like a ridiculous amount because I could probably give you tests just off the top of my head because that's what I'm good at. That's what I know. That's what I have the most experience with. But anyway, so he was, um, I wouldn't say that he was a bad leader. It was just like he had his system and I was kind of interrupting his system and it was more of like it felt like he was doing me a favor more than training and I went into that knowing what I was getting because I already had so much experience that I was like I can handle this and I don't like of course it's always better to learn um, absolutely but I in terms of like going and driving really far it was an hour and a half away every you know, like two days a week, I think I was there, um, which, you know, it was also a time change, which sucked because I would get there and I'd be like an hour early and I'm like, damn it, nap time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so my experience, my, yeah, my practicum experience was the best way I can sum it up is just weird. It was weird. Um, didn't really teach me a whole lot, but then again, like I was assessment classes and like assessments are my jam so it was not a big deal but yeah. not the best not so the you best. supplemented it a little bit what you supplemented your lack of, of training yeah i tried um yeah oh, which reminds me i have a little fun fact about my basic practicum which was in chicago primarily mm -hmm. um so we function out of an orthodox jewish school Oh, Lord. So, at the time, I had to wear a kippah or a yarmulke, and <laughs> my hair's typically not long enough to have anything attached to it. So that's when I started growing out for the first time in my life. And just to wear cheese, that experience. In I think I actually know some people that went to that practical site. So that's funny that you said that. Um, Maybe. <laughs> all right. So I guess that leads into our second year of training which i was somewhere else but t was at the place right t was at the place that we had worked together but we didn't work together i'm a year ahead yeah so he stayed there for two years so i met him my my first year his second year there so if you want to so dive I'll, into I'll, that i'll give you some fun <laughs> stories um and this this will lead into one of our new segments which i i have this year for a specific reason because i'm gonna call it Spilling the doctor tea. Why not? Perfect. So, <laughs> I love it so much. Um, so again, the tea. without names, we had one doctor there as our main supervisor, and then there were, was an, a master's of education there, mm -hmm. who was kind of the, the second in command by proxy. And the easiest way to explain this environment is free-for-all hoop show so 
It's located in Valparaiso, Indiana. It doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't exist, thank God. Um, so <laughs> this place, holy crap. Um, basically, if you had any skills whatsoever, you you brought them in and you were leaving with the same amount of skills as you brought in, which for me was fun. Um, granted, it was a two-hour drive each way for me. Yeah, that was so wild. If I didn't love driving, that would have been the most torturous thing on the planet. And I don't even remember how I ended up there, to be completely honest. But I remember the interview process for there, mm. where it was the doctor, the MSED, and one of the current practicum students. And apparently, the it was a male practicum student. Apparently, he's kind of like deadpan, dry humor, whatever. And because of my natural, like, let's joke around, make, make it a fun experience type thing, I got him to get extra sassy mm. <laughs> to the point where he had thrown papers. He's like, okay, well, let's just talk about this. Like, it was fun. It, it, was, a, it was a fun experience. So I was fairly confident I got that job when I was on my two-hour drive back home. <laughs> and I did, obviously. So it was, that first year was fun, but it had so much drama. I took the clients that I was taking and I, I ran with them. I got clients off of the hardest drugs you can think of. I got people to express emotions to their family members that they never thought they expressed. I dealt with everything from like extreme sexual dysfunction to I'm basically on the brink of psychosis and I loved it. I love challenges and that's always been my thing. Yeah. You did. I mean, it was true. Like whenever, when I was working there, whenever we had a really, really hard case, it was like, T, <laughs> T, this one's for you. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'll, I'll take the hardest ones and you guys can, you know. That's not it. to say that some, like, it doesn't, we're not necessarily talking about diagnoses being difficult. Sometimes people are just, um, you know, more difficult to challenge than others, or they might push back a little bit and T handles that really well. Whereas, I tend to take like the more friend approach when I'm a therapist and T kind of is more of like the father figure. So he, yeah, I think, I'll, I'll set the boundaries real quick. Yeah, I'll be he, nice, he but... matches well with more severe cases. So yeah. um, I think you, you summed that experience up really well working there. I think that it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun, but... but... You also had me there, so that <laughs> that's why. Like me and me and you would be singing Disney songs in our little weird segregated office that was so far from everybody else. <laughs> it wasn't there before. Before it yeah. was like a nice open office where everyone was like just sit talking to each other and sitting in the same room. Like it was really nice. Obviously yeah. pre-COVID, um, but yeah. And then liked when we moved into that little room because I was like we're by ourselves we can say what we want we can do what we want well when things got toxic you wanted that own space well it wasn't always like that right but there here's a here's a spilling with Dr. T moments so actually I'll just keep it in frame so you know when we're doing it <laughs> for those of you that are listening I'm sorry I'm holding a teacup so there was this one intern there very cute girl kind of short I, I can't say her name, obviously, but she would sit in on, so we also, side note, we also worked with this group of recovering addicts, which was so fulfilling, honestly it was. Mm -hmm. And she would sit in on some of those groups and kind of just learn how do you deal with group settings, which is fine. 
she got into a relationship with one of the people there. A full-on relationship, because apparently she knew one of them from the past, which me being the uh, pseudo-supervisor, I knew all of this, and I tried to get her to, you know, come clean, cut the relationship off, you know, save some semblance of self. And that turned into having a full-on sexual relationship with this person. So her... If you don't know, that is like the biggest no-no of being a therapist in the entire world. You yeah. like, there are a lot of mistakes that you can make, but that is the mother load. Yeah. You, you did not, you did not, no, mm-mm, mm -hmm. mm -mm. Don't even look at someone that way. No. No. <laughs> it's instant cut off. But it gets more complicated. So I'm here for it. Let's get the tea with Dr. T. So on top of that, she has or had at the time a very long-term, very committed boyfriend who she lived who she lived with, who had proposed in the past and she wasn't ready, clearly. Um, so that made things more complicated. How do you deal with that? Also, I'm kind of now your confidant, and I'm trying to get you to do the right thing, but also this is a freaking great story for me as a training person who's not really responsible for you. So admittedly, I didn't like force her hand in any point in time. Not my place, but still. Okay, I just, what happened when the supervisors found out? Because I wasn't there for this. I came the year after this, but I've heard. I heard because like this is such a huge deal in the therapist community. Like huh? this is... I cannot express it. That is like the worst thing that you can do. Um, and in terms of horror stories, that's about as bad as it gets. So. so the way this came out is I think one of the other people that was not involved in this relationship ratted her out in one of the group settings because the guy that she was with is such a, uh, sorry, was such a blabbermouth about it and you know had no qualms about sharing the secret relationship which he wasn't really into anyway which is a very fun experience for him so that came out they questioned everyone involved he gave her up right away and i literally walked into work one day and she's in tears because she has a meeting in about 20 minutes from when i had arrived and it's about exactly what i knew was going to be about oh my gosh so it wasn't even that long of a conversation. It's basically, we know what you did. You can't do that. I'm sorry to let you go. Which is like, you shouldn't be sorry. She should have been kicked out immediately. Immediately, yeah. No question needed. No. And I'm pretty sure there wasn't any like follow up with the school or anything because she was in a program to become a psychologist or a social worker, whatever the hell she was training for. Um, she made a lot of mistakes. Uh, <laughs> you are asking like why is it such a big deal to sleep with your client on top of just like it sounding icky um if you think about the dynamics of a therapeutic relationship in a lot of the cases the therapy like the therapist holds the power the therapist knows all that person's secrets their innermost thoughts um uh, and to take advantage of that relationship when someone is extra vulnerable is just a big no-no it's it's a abuse of power um just also just know just know <laughs> yeah. um, not much explanations needed for this you you shouldn't do it even if you knew nothing about professional ethics or issues or anything like that you should know you don't sleep with your clients doesn't matter what movie you're watching 
that's never going to be the case no. in the real world. But there are definitely times like there are times where you do have an attraction to a client or your client has an attraction to you, but there are appropriate ways to deal with that. And there's processing and talking to supervisors about it and not seeing that person as a client anymore, possibly even at the, the last kind of result. But yeah, um, and, and for those of you that might be thinking, oh, I would just like stop seeing the client to, to be with them. One, you can't do that. It's literally in the ethics code, thank goodness. Two, even if you terminate successfully without the intention of having a relationship, there are rules in place to prevent that. Two and, years, I think, is what the current, yeah, two years uh -huh. after therapy, you can even, like, even a friendship with somebody. Um, here's, here's the best part. So, actually, friendship's not included. It's mm. the sexual relationship piece. And even then, after the two years, it's specifically with um what is it is it unintended like um you, you can't have unless it's like completely random like the, the circumstances are so oh, yeah. out of place and so random like, like they, serendipitous yeah like it yeah. just happened like i was falling naked and then she just <laughs> i just there. fell into her my day day <laughs> right it, it focuses on the sexual relationship friendship isn't in there which i kind of get because sometimes you know whatever but which is fine um but yeah point is you will never have sex with your therapist and your therapist should never have sex with you. It does happen. It shouldn't. It does happen. But neither here nor there. It should not. It should not. But that was kind of the biggest drama for quite a while at that place. And yeah, quite a, quite a bit occurred since then. But So on top of talking about that, because we were at the same place, I think it's important to talk about like what makes a good leader, what makes a good boss, what makes, um, and I, I recently saw a meme, I think that said something about like, people don't leave jobs, people leave bosses. And I think that a lot of the time that's really true. I think that people are maybe happy with the work that they're doing or kind of maybe, you know, ambiguous about the work that they're doing, but the fact that their work environment is so toxic or their bosses, you know, breathing down their neck all the time, or maybe not giving them any direction at all. Um, that's problematic. It is. <laughs> and you're going to leave because of that, not because of the actual work that you're doing. So um, one area of psychology, actually, this is kind of going off topic, but is consulting. And that's when like psychologists go into businesses that are having issues with between bosses and, and the workers and trying to like figure out communication styles and how to how to get everybody to work together and be on the same page and that's what I would love to do one day but we're not there yet anyway right. the license girl but yeah leading back to our topic of you know good leaders I wasn't led I was left to my own devices and thank goodness I stepped up to the plate because I essentially know what it's like to be a good leader so I just became that leader I would and say like you you did become the leader for us like you were older than me so i inherently was like oh one more year experience he definitely knows what he's doing um and i remember like i would have client issues and instead of going to a supervisor i would go to t um and i did i mean i would go to a supervisor if it was like something epically bad but if it was just like hey i'm not sure where to go with this person like i would go to t because at least he would be like either you need to go get extra help for this, or this is what I did before, this is what I would do. Um, but he shouldn't have had to do that as a student because 
it's not yeah you shouldn't have had to do that. <laughs> it's not my place it, it shouldn't have been yeah um but to my i guess fault and slash credit i'm confident and at some point arrogant about it so like i know i'm doing a really good job my clients constantly validate that i'm doing a really good job mm -hmm. so i think i got this and yeah for sure even for the people in my year i was doing the same thing for them like well we're at the same point of training and yet i'm going to be your pseudo leader so here we go yeah. and that's the role i took on and because i was so comfortable in that position i stayed on for another year which is where i met you and another few great people but we'll get to that so how was your intermediate my what was that how was your intermediate oh my okay we call it something different at my school and so i was like um my intern that was my therapy prac at i mean it was the first year was fine the first year was dandy um i mean as fine as you know fine could go i had you there um honestly i didn't really care about anybody else <laughs> i mean like i was very friendly with everybody and that was fine but it was just like go in get out um i loved my clients there loved my clients there um I had a lot of challenges that I'd never come across before. I had a lot of, um, you know, really motivated people. I had a lot of really tough cases, um, kind of like T. I had, I think, one DID case in particular that um, gave me a lot of experience that I needed. So I was really thankful for that. But in terms of the actual training, um, luckily, I'm also not like quite as I don't say that I would be like in quite as a leadership as T. I don't really take on that role. However, I do manage myself really well. Um, and I just kind of do my own thing without necessarily asking for help, which is not always the greatest, but for me, it's what works. Um, so I just kind of, you know, did my own thing and, and had confidence in what I was doing when I didn't ask for help. Um, but in terms of, of leadership, yikes. Yikes. And I I think your intermediate, which was my advance, is where we start seeing a lot of the bad boss qualities start coming out. Mm -hmm. So we're being told what to do. We're being told things that don't make sense. And I, feeling like I'm essentially one of the leaders, started kicking back against the system that created a lot of tension that couldn't right. be resolved easily. Um, so I remember this one thing, which is towards the end, but still, like it's the one thing that really stood out to me. We were supposed to be doing these um, like learning experiences where we like learn from each other and we we like sit in a group and we're told like all this new information was like absorb it and, and learn from that the instructions were to go do our own research and then share it with one another as if like we knew what we were going to be talking about so of course that makes no sense to me because what if we get the wrong information what if we don't get sufficient information who's going to be the expert to say this is what it's supposed to be like this, mm -hmm. this isn't just a group sharing project. We're supposed to actually be trained here. And you told us to do all the work. So I questioned that and it was met with huge resistance and basically being shunned from talking to, to any of the higher ups, which was fantastic. Cause I was like, okay, well I got all my hours and I don't need to be here. So if you don't care, guess who Bye. else doesn't care? <laughs> yeah, it was really, it got really bad and it was, bad for tea it was bad i it was friends with the higher ups um and tried to just not play sides and just kind of be like 
hey guys. Like I just, it was really awkward every day. You didn't really know what you were walking into. Yeah, but that was worse for tea for sure. It was like everybody was kind of like, except for when we were in our private room and then we could say whatever we wanted and do whatever we wanted. But yeah, that was really, that was a tough situation and not handled very well by management at all. Yeah. It was not clear who are, who was in charge most of the time. And nothing was consistent. I went a very long time without adequate supervision. I felt like I was chasing my supervisor. And it, So this kind of leads me to like, for people that are listening that might be interested in this field, like what are some good ways to tell good sites from bad sites when you're in the interview process? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I, yeah, go for it. I would say supervision needs to be there. No matter how good or bad or questionable you are, you need supervision. You're there to be trained. It should be the most consistent thing that you have. And you want to know that your person or your people are available whenever you need them. Mm-hmm. Because that's important. You're yeah. dealing with people's lives. You're dealing with people's emotions and their experiences. You're going to need someone to say, okay, this is something that you did well. This is something that you can work on. Even if you are confident about it, you should have someone to bounce these thoughts off of. And yeah. Even for people that have like graduated and have their own practices, like we consult with each other all the time um, because we're not perfect. We see things that we've never seen before all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. And another piece that I want to touch on is if you're interviewing somewhere and they give you the chance to talk to a current student, talk to the current student that's there Uh they can feed you all the bs that they want and say like oh we have you know there's such a great program we have you know you get two individual supervision hours a week and blah blah blah. and then you go to the student you're like does this actually happen and they're like nah (laughs) um so i I recommend if they give you the option to talk to a current student talk to a current student and find out what's really going on Um, and to that point i did talk a lot of people out of it (laughs) (laughs) admittedly that's fair that's fair. Okay. Um, so that's leading into my third year. We already kind of, yours was kind of compounded because you were at the same place twice. So my advanced year. Which, by the way, I tried to talk you out of several times and you refused to listen, but go ahead. Because it was close to my house and because <laughs> everywhere else is in Chicago and I didn't want to drive to Chicago. So anyway, uh, my third year, I should re, re, um, state that. The very beginning of my third year started out with um, the supervisor quitting. Did I mention that she owned the company um, or was the co-owner of... uh... (sighs) So um, she was the only supervised psychologist there, so the site was no longer available. If you know anything about how psychology and how the programming works, we match with a site in February and we start typically in July or August. So I had matched with this site in February, got there in July, and then by August, I didn't have a supervisor or a site. So um, I had to very quickly scramble and I called a bunch of psychologists in the area, even if they only had like private practices, just to be like, hey, 
I just need a spot. I don't need a certain number of hours a week. I'm just doing this for more experience because you're advanced here. You don't need the hours, but it looks good to have the hours. Um, and I found someone who was like, heck yeah, I'll take you. Um, and I'm so thankful for him. And we're still very good friends to this day. And he's always offered, like, if you ever need a place to work, you're welcome back here. Um, and that experience was lovely. I loved that experience. I had my my advanced. I'm, I'm actually looking back glad that the other place closed because I got to meet some awesome people who actually knew what they were doing. Um, and now he's, he's a lifelong friend of mine. So, um, there's a bright ending to that very tragic, sad <laughs> story. I, that reminds me of something. So while I learned like a lot of Rorschach stuff and other testing from my first site, prior to that, we do learn a lot of basics, um, from personality testing to IQ testing. Mm -hmm. And one of the teachers um, I'll actually say her name because I'm very proud of this. Um, <laughs> so her name is Dr. Brown, which I don't call her that anymore. I call her by her first name, but I don't know if Fancy. I should, whatever, Blair. So I talked to Dr. Blair Brown and she was one of the first people to like really invigorate me with the learning. And I was very happy to meet her and she kind of drafted me into doing extra psychology work where I would do like overnight camps and stuff like that. And she's one of my closest friends and I trust her and love her and all that stuff. Like we're, we're very close. Mm -hmm. And that's because when you find a good leader, someone that brings you into the field and like you feel like they're really training you, you want to be there. You want to be around them. You want to gain more knowledge. And I think that feeling is so rare, but when you experience it, it's one of the best things in the world, no matter where you are, no matter what job, what profession. Yeah, I think it translates. You, yeah, when you want to be there, it shows. Yeah, I um, luckily my internship was a great experience. I mean, I had a lot of very rough bumps in my internship year, but um, in terms of supervisors and everything, like all of my other previous years were completely made up for in my internship year with people who genuinely cared, who were there whenever I needed them, who I still talk to today. Um, and I don't know how your internship experience was, but for me, that was like, I finally felt secure in what I was doing a little bit more <laughs> in internship year. Um, I don't know if that was the same for you, but I think that that good leadership and, you know, we had didactics every week and we were learning and there were new speakers coming in and it was just... I felt excited about not only just learning things like in the classroom, I hated sitting in the classroom and just drawing on about theories, et cetera. When you're actually out in the field and you're learning things that you can actually apply to a session that you're having later that day, um, it's awesome. And it kind of brings back that fire of like, I want to know more things to do and use. So um, I loved internship. My internship was like 98% perfect. Um, I went to a school and it's it's something completely like different from what i expected it to be because i'm not trained as a school psychologist but i loved being there hmm. i loved the environment i worked with primarily sixth to eighth graders which if those of you that know me personally that's my jam <laughs> like i am so into working with these people <laughs> um 
I really connected with the kids like right away. I connected with the other, well, like what I wasn't a teacher, but still technically a teacher. I connected with the teachers. I connected with the staff. I knew basically everyone's name it, and it's such a great environment to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, like there was a lot of training, a lot of didactics. Everything was very consistent. I had two supervision hours like consistently. Um, and my supervisor, very intelligent, very, you know, on top of her stuff. She made sure I was showing up to things, but we had a rough start. I did not mesh with her right away. And I remember feeling, and I think telling to her, like, I, like, you're very nice. Like you come off as very nice, but I know I'm going to disappoint you one day and there's going to be an issue because you can tell when you just don't mesh with someone Mm -hmm. and there were issues and I made mistakes, but I, I want to be this person that has all this knowledge, all this experience. I want to show it to you right away. Like I want to say like, I'm this person, I have all this talent. Let me prove myself to you. And she was very much in the mindset of like, you need to be trained. You're here to be trained. Mm -hmm. And that didn't quite mesh right away. Yeah. So I found myself feeling micromanaged and that drove me insane so (laughs) let me let me just talk for a second about my first impressions of tea because they were not great (laughs) they're not not great um so i was i think i was warned about you before i even joined uh, or got there so that was interesting um nothing major just like that you basically was explained to me that you were an asshole. And I was like, okay, okay. So I got in there and like, you are very confident. And I think that for people that don't know you and don't know your heart, it comes off as like, I know my shit and I'm not going to listen to you. Cause I, and then like, but that's because you really do. And most of the other time people are wrong. Um, so my first, like, I was scared of him. I honestly, and then like, I didn't think that he liked me very much because he was mean to me. And then I later figured out that that's how T shows love. So I was like, oh, we're friends. <laughs> it, took, it took a hot minute to get there, but um, <laughs> we got there eventually. So, uh-huh. yeah. Anyway, that just reminded me of that. When you're like, I like to get everything out of the open. I'm like, yep, sure do. You're like, this is me. This is what I do. This place is stupid. Um, these people are stupid. And I was like, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> so going back to the topic at hand, I, I do think that Leadership is everything, and there's a difference between being a boss and being a leader, and for me, that difference is, like, doing work yourself. Like, if I, and at the one place that we were both at, the person who was in charge um, didn't really do much. I'm so scared that someone's going to listen to this, and it's going to come Listen, it's going to make its rounds. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. Um, But just, like someone who was going through their a lot of their own personal struggles and was not very present at work and it made a clear difference in how the rest of us operated and worked with each other so um a leader is someone who is is doing their part of the work as well and encouraging and supporting and correcting when needed but um a boss for me the word boss is just someone that's do this do this do this and that's not what i want in someone that 
has power over me. Although with this degree, I'm kind of like, ain't nobody gonna have power over me ever. I, <laughs> I am the power. I am the power. I always said like, I hate working for other people. I am such like a, I will do it on my own time, on my own schedule when I want to, mm -hmm. and I can't do it. So now I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I can do what I want. Well, to be fair, um, I get the second half of the internship, what I felt was a really bad boss. Once I like realized like I should come in just to learn and I, I really started to take in the information, it became more of a, a leadership companionship. Um, there was still that tension from before and there were a lot of things that bothered me like it's going to be like that and I also went through my own struggles and personal things throughout that year but I felt more supported than micromanaged mm -hmm. and that made a big difference and I, difference. I I learned to really appreciate all the things that were there and to be honest the and this is something that I always emphasize and I think it was really helpful and I think everyone should do I really wanted to have a relationship with the people at my level so the other interns at the time, we made sure we were meeting weekly. We were talking on the phone to one another. We were texting. So we had this open communication. So it wasn't just on me. Mm -hmm. I felt if I was taking all of that on, on my own, it would have been such a bad environment for me and it would have really messed with me mentally. And I think everyone should have that. Have people you can talk to that are on your level that you can just kind of get these feelings out and process sure. them. Yeah, my, you're you're talking about internship, right? Yeah, but yeah, just before that too, it was the same oh, okay. thing. Yeah, I, for my internship, there were five of us, and we were all really, really close, like, really close. Like, we had a group text, we, um, we would have, be, like, in a meeting, and we'd all be, like, texting each other, like, mad shit about if there was, like, someone talking that we didn't like, and, um, and it, it was really helpful to get through with them. There were times when I was like, I don't want to call a supervisor about this, because it's not an emergency, but I'm really shook up about this session, and I need to talk to somebody about it, um, and I, I love that in our in our career path like a lot of the times our our peers become our friends because they understand what we go through they understand kind of you know what we what we've been through what we deal with on a daily basis and it's really nice to have that support and it support is everything it really is that's basically our experiences i think it's really interesting to hear your point of view from everything obviously i've only known you um Sorry, I only met you and got to know you that one year, but like our friendship endured. And I think it's really important that we each had that experience with one another and we, we both learned from it. We both grew and that's, that's kind of how we ended up here in the long run. So, yeah, I think it's really interesting. Like, I don't want to say like re-meeting you, but in a way it is because like we have both changed so much and I don't, what, 26, so like four years ago. Ish, four years ago um and that sounds silly to say like someone is but like we've been through a lot of training and a lot of um just they completely changed the way that you think and they get all up in your anyway um so it's been kind of fun doing this with t and like kind of re-meeting him and um just he's different and i'm sure i'm way different yeah. um, <laughs> in a good way though yeah it's same same for you so um, that was, yeah, I just, I think it's interesting for people to hear about our experiences. And if you're interested in psychology yourself, if you're not, it's still just interesting. Like if you have a therapist to know what, you know, what they went through and, um, yeah. So that was, this is our third episode. Yeah. And we're so going to wrap it up. Tune in next so, time to see what crazy things we bring up next. You'll never know. And am I going to get, 
text messages after this and someone hears this and they're angry for me exposing them? Probably. But we didn't say any names. No so names were said. If you, if you take it Wait, wasn't the disclaimer, if any of these things sound like you, it's a coincidence? Yeah. <laughs> no. And I don't... <laughs> I don't mean to talk mean about anybody, but that's just my experience, um, and that's my personal opinion and what I viewed and saw, so that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, <laughs> and um, if you haven't already, don't forget to like and subscribe. We are now available on Spotify, on Apple, on Anchor, on YouTube. We are everywhere you can't escape us also feel free to follow us on instagram at the tiktoks and if you have any questions comments concerns all of them please send us an email at the tiktoks at gmail.com yes all the all the context all right we hope that you all have a fantastic week remember to advocate yourself with your own bosses and leaders this week and we will catch you next sunday bye Hello, hello, hello. It is time for Caitlin's Corner, where I am going to ask questions that were submitted to my TikTok by some of you. So let me, we're going to just dive in. I'm going to just go with some questions that I see. Um, okay, first one. How long did it take you to gain self-confidence? Because I struggle a little and maybe hearing your stories can help. That is a great question. That's coming from Riverdale Edits underscore bug. Thank you for your question. Um, I have not always been as confident. Definitely not. Definitely, definitely, definitely not. Um, I was very, very self-conscious all up through high school, even through college. Um, I think what I really started to work on myself and actively choose to love myself is when everything changed for me. And that was when I was learning about how to become a therapist. So um, all of these things that I'm sharing with you guys and that teaching you guys and showing you in my videos and things, those are things that I had to learn myself. And um, in teaching you, I'm hoping that it's helping you like it helped me. So I guess, honestly, my, my best advice is just give it time and work on it every day. Every day, wake up and say, I'm going to love myself today. Thanks for that question. Now we have another question. Um, do, 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 do. What kind of doctor are you? Doctor of clinical psychology. <laughs> I feel like y'all should know that by now. Um, let's see. Have I done keto? Okay, this will be the last question because I can go on a rant, rant about this one. Have I done keto? Ashamedly, I admit that I have. Uh, and I say ashamedly because after meeting several nutritionists, after doing my own research, after looking at my own trials and errors and working in bariatrics where I used to do testing before people had weight loss surgery, my opinion has completely changed. <laughs> like, completely. Um, I don't believe in dieting. Just straight up, I don't believe in it. I think that it is a money-making industry. I think that it is pushed on us to fit societal certain standards. 
Um, but going into some of the science of it, keto just doesn't flat out work because you're taking out food groups, like complete whole food groups. You are telling yourself you cannot eat something. And when you tell yourself that, your brain goes, damn, I got to get me some of that. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And then you end up gaining back more weight than you had to begin with. And that's not what I'm assuming you're wanting to accomplish. So I don't believe in dieting. I hate the word diet. Um, I, I get it for in terms of like dietary restrictions or things like that. But I, the word diet in the, its current form and the way that it's used today is not okay with me. Um, if you haven't heard of it, I really encourage all of you to look into intuitive eating. It's a new kind of method, but it's very, very, very highly backed by science. I just got, it's called the Intuitive Eating Workbook off of Amazon, and it kind of leads you through step-by-step step how intuitive eating works, what it is, um, and it's amazing. It's, it's trying to recognize within your body, am I full right now? Am I eating because I'm bored? Am I eating because I'm sad? Am I full? Am I... It's still enjoying my food. Am I eating it just because it's in front of me? Um, you know, it's it's relearning your hunger cues and your thirst cues and just really, really learning your body and what your body needs and when it needs it and how much it needs. And it it's total mind-body connection and it's beautiful and it works. So I recommend intuitive eating. All right, I have ranted for far too long, so I am going to wrap up this week's episode of Caitlin's Corner. Please send me questions for next week, and I love you all so much. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. I love you. Bye.